Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hello and welcome. I am Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass, and I'm really excited to be in part five of our message series, The Kingdom. Now, there is a game show that my family used to watch called Hole in the Wall. Now, on this show, there would be this wall, and it had a shape cut out of it. Maybe it was shaped like a like a body in motion or a square, I don't know, but there was a shape in it. And the wall would move rapidly toward contestants and they had to figure out how to make that shape with their bodies so that they could pass through that hole. And if they couldn't, the wall would knock them into a pool of water and knock them out of the game. Now the wall isn't out to get them, the wall wasn't mad at them, it just has a shape in it that they have to fit and if they don't fit that shape, they would get knocked out. Now, we all have environments where we have to fit a certain shape or we're going to get pushed out. At work or at school, even at home, there are certain expectations of what we're going to do, how we're going to be, a shape that we have to fit in order to be part of things. For example, if I go into Starbucks naked, they aren't going to let me sit at the table and just hang out. They're going to make me leave because I violated their requirements. I didn't fit the shape. If I call my boss an idiot, or if I sing Taylor Swift songs at full volume during class, or if I drive on the left-hand side of the road, I'm not gonna be allowed back at work or at school or into the driver's seat of my car. And the reason is, is that I don't fit the shape of the hole in the wall of those environments. Because of that, each of those places are going to push me out. There is a spiritual aspect to this as well that we're gonna talk about today. And it's a thing that Jesus brings up as he describes what the kingdom of God is like in Matthew chapter 13. So let's start by taking a look at Matthew 13, 47. And this is what Jesus said. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, before we even jump into the real content at the end of that, if this story sounds familiar, it's because Jesus told another parable that had much the same point just seven verses before this. And you can check that out if you go back online in the Kingdom Message series. But it was a parable just like this about judgment. Now, before we get into judgment, I want to give you some background on how Jesus' listeners would have heard this story. Because where Jesus was at in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, fishing was a key way that people made a living. And so this story would have had a lot of meaning for his audience that we might miss. Now, in the original Greek that the Gospels were written in, the net that Jesus describes is actually described as a dragnet. So people fished with hooks and bait like we do today. Um, They fished by dropping nets on top of shoals of fish before they would pull them up out out at sea. And, And both of those types of fishing actually typically went after a specific type of fish. But Jesus is referring to a drag net or a huge net that would be tossed out and dragged along the bottom of the sea where it would just catch up everything that was in its path. I mean, the drag net just captured everything. So on the plus side, it caught a lot, but on the downside, there was a lot of things that they had to sort out of the net. 
branches, seaweed, and also fish that couldn't be eaten. See, according to Jewish religious law, you could only eat fish that had fins and scales. But sea creatures that didn't have those physical features, uh, sea creatures like shrimp, crab, oysters, lobsters, other types of shellfish, they weren't allowed by Jewish law. They were unclean. And so if you fished with a dragnet, at the end of the day, you may have a lot of fish, but you would have to sort out the edible fish from the inedible fish. Now, Jesus uses this everyday example of Jewish life to describe a fundamental element of the kingdom of God, and that's this, final judgment. Everyone being judged by God for the life they've lived. I mean, that's something we don't like thinking about or talking about much, but it's absolutely something that Jesus talked about a lot. In fact, it's something that we've already seen many times as we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. Let me just give you a couple examples. Here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus said, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. So here, in this teaching that Jesus gives from the Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus's manifesto on what it means to be a kingdom of pers- kingdom person and what the kingdom of God looks like, Jesus refers to judgment day. But again, it's not just here. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 15. He says, I tell you the truth. The wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. And then we looked at this just several months ago in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Again, I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Jesus talked a lot about Judgment Day. And there are many more examples of this all over the Gospels because it was absolutely fundamental to both Judaism and early Christianity that God was going to one day bring restoration and justice to the world by fully and finally establishing his kingdom, his rule over all creation. And with that rule would come with it the judgment of God. Again, I know that this is not something that we like contemplating or thinking about very much because it conjures images of of hell and people being tossed into a lake of fire and and a reasonable fear that there are going to be people who will be punished for not responding to a God who they may not have had access to or, or a God who was misrepresented to them. Honestly, I struggled writing this message because while I love everything about what the kingdom of God is and what it stands for, even I wrestle with the idea of a final judgment, the image of a God of love rejecting people who are trying to get in but are refused. I struggle with the idea of hell as a place of eternal torment and suffering for people who didn't respond to Jesus. And while hell is something that we are going to talk about later as we continue our way through Matthew's gospel. Just like the final judgment, hell is also something that is deeply misunderstood and often misinterpreted. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like the judgment of a fisherman separating fish that are edible and good for the market from those that aren't. But what does that mean for us? And what are the metrics for judgment? What does that look like? 
Now, there are some Christians who believe that the judgment day is the final punishment for evil people who didn't do the right things or didn't believe the right things in life. So people, you know, like Democrats, drag queens, and drug dealers. Now, those Christians, they they would take rules and principles in the Bible and they would boil them down into a checklist of do's or do's and don'ts that would then show whether you are in or out of God's kingdom. But if that's true, what do you do with the different interpretations of doctrine and, and the rules of religion that exist differently across all of modern Christianity? Which version is right? How do we make sense of all of this so that we don't get sorted out on judgment day by believing the wrong version of Christianity? Well, let's break it down and let's start with what Jesus said. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and the nations will be gathered, all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. While there are all kinds of theological theories on what judgment day looks like, there is one thing that Jesus makes very clear. There will come a day when God sums up everything in all of creation, when heaven and earth come together. And on that day, Jesus, in his own words, will judge who will be allowed into this fully realized kingdom of God in exactly the same way that a shepherd separates sheep from goats or that a fisherman separates edible fish from inedible fish. I mean, look at how Paul describes it in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. He says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. So first, according to Jesus, judgment day is real and it's coming for everyone. And then according to Paul, that judgment and justice are intertwined, which makes sense. I mean, without judgment, can there be justice? If there's a no shirt, no shoes, no service sign on a restaurant, but people still go in there naked all the time and they're never removed, does that rule even mean anything? It doesn't. Unless it's enforced and the people who choose not to follow that rule are refused entry, the rule is meaningless. I mean, we at Compass, we talk about God's heart for justice a lot. And for justice to be real, those who advance injustice, they have to be confronted. I mean, when someone shoots up a classroom of children, is there justice if that person isn't judged for their actions? If racism, abuse, oppression, and violence can happen without any judgment or consequences, do those things even matter? Does it even matter if we say those things are wrong? Justice can't exist without judgment which I know is troubling because we've all sinned. We've all hurt people and done things that were unjust and wrong. But the justice and judgment of Jesus, it isn't oriented around punishing people. It's actually oriented around restoring them. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. 
and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly eagerly waiting for him. We're all going to eventually die. And then according to Jesus, we'll face judgment. But you need to know Jesus did the same thing. And his purpose in doing that was to satisfy the demands of justice on our behalf. In his death and resurrection, he began the process of summing up all of creation under the rule of God. And he did it in such a way that the universal demand for justice and judgment could be met. His sacrifice took away our sins and it freed us from having to satisfy the justice of God on our own. But if the final judgment is not based on our own individual sins, what's it based on? Well, one day God is going to fully rule over a world that's made perfect. And it will be a world of perfect justice and mercy. There will be no violence, cruelty, or injustice in this kingdom. And none of the things that cause damage to people or creation will have a place there. And just like at your job or school, to be in that world, there is a shape we must choose to take on. It's a shape that Jesus has been describing all throughout his teaching, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. It is a life conformed to the shape of loving our neighbor and our enemy. A life shaped like doing to others what we want done to us. It's a life shaped like Jesus. You want to know what the final judgment, the separation of good fish from bad fish is based on? Here it is. Kingdom judgment is based on whether or not we choose the shape of Jesus. Jesus did the work of satisfying justice. And now judgment is based on Not what we did, but whether or not we choose to take on the shape of Jesus. To live like he lived, to think like he thought, and to do what he taught. And just in case you don't know what the shape of Jesus looks like, let me help you. The hole in the wall to the kingdom of God is shaped like a cross. Arms outstretched in surrender to God. Arms that have laid down everything else to gain the priceless treasure we find in him. The shape of the cross is arms outstretched in a loving embrace toward our neighbors and our enemies. The shape of love that puts the good of others before our own good. The doorway of entry into the kingdom of God is shaped like the cross of Christ. Now, the harsh reality is that there are many who simply choose to orient their lives around principles that are counter to the kingdom of God. And in doing so, they've made a decision to not take on the shape of Jesus that is required for entry into his kingdom. I mean, C.S. Lewis said it best. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. God allows us the gift of choice knowing that there will be those in the end who choose to not take on the shape of Jesus. And the judgment of God, about, judgment of God is not about punishing people who made him angry, but God is bringing together a world of perfect justice and mercy. 
And there's just no place in God's world of justice and mercy for someone who has systematically ordered their life in such a way as to become the embodiment of injustice and malice. So the question today for you is this, what shape will you choose to take with your life? Will you choose the shape of Jesus, the shape of love, kindness, mercy, and justice, the shape of the cross? Or will you choose a different shape? The shape of bitterness, hatred, violence, cruelty. The shape of self-interest and a rejection of the humble way of Christ. There are no locks on the doors of the kingdom of God. There's just a hole in the wall shaped like the cross that allows entry to any and all whose lives are shaped the same. According to Jesus, the day of judgment is real and it is coming for all of us. And our access to the kingdom is based completely on the decisions that we make in this life. So what will you do with the gift of choice God's given you? Will you embrace his perfect way of being human in this world, being like Jesus? Or will you choose your own way, deciding that you don't want God's kingdom way of being? My desire, just like Jesus's, is that everyone accepts his invitation to take on his shape, to experience the life that we can only find in him, and to experience creation as, as he intended it to be within the kingdom of God. And my prayer for you, for our church, for our community, and for our world is may God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be people of mercy, of love and grace who take on the shape of Jesus and who know that we can be assured of entry into his kingdom someday. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 